The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. The internet, the news, the construct that we have there is an attention economy. It, it always has been. I mean, yeah. even Walter Cronkite, who only got our attention for 30 minutes a day, he had to sell laundry detergent. It's all about getting and keeping our attention. And all my message is about is asking us to pause, to just not follow this primitive part of our brain, our lizard brain, the amygdala, over a cliff every second of every day. I just find it more elevating to think about what's possible with this big brain that we've got. When you create something as big as the internet and as influential in our future, you've got to also do a little bit of looking at the re-engineering of what we give our attention to. It's a wonderful chaos, random, messy and glorious. Solo or tandem, we work to find rest, we fight to find peace, both head and the heart. And the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. We are going to be talking to Linda Urich, and we're going to talk to her about the conspiracy of goodness. And when we, what we mean by that is somebody making the time and effort to take all the good news in the world and make it more and more available to the world so that we're no longer only inundated with the bad stuff. Exactly. And, and where are you and I going to do that, Mr. Dimitriou? Mr. Shalef, we're apparently going to do it on a wonderful chaos. Yes, we are. had discussions with Linda because I talked to her. She contacted me after the the last letter or after the Wounded Healer book came out. The Wounded Healer book. Yeah, the Wounded Healer because she, she saw the press release and she's tracking stories which are apolitical, which have no commercial agenda, which are just things that people are doing that are for the goodness of the planet. Yeah. And, and so she obviously connected to my story probably was trying to figure out, Andy, what are you trying to get out of this? God forbid, who could actually just do an act of love in the world and not have an agenda? And and then she asked if we could call. And I said, obviously, we could speak. And we did. Yeah. And that was several months ago. And, and she has a website, which is called everwideningcircles.com. Mm. So from 2014, she just said, and keep in mind, she by, by trade, she's a dentist. She's got good teeth, actually. She does, doesn't she? And she smiles well as well. So she's taking care of people's teeth. And you know, every time someone comes in, the discussion is how's life. And I'm sure that ha- most of those discussions had the negative news that they just read before they came into the doctor's chair. Yeah. So in, in some weird way, 
like she's doing the best sort of market research only by saying, I have hundreds of people I'm interacting with on a regular basis. They're coming to me. And what am I hearing? I'm hearing about the dread, about the the planet the, the deterioration. I'm hearing about political turmoil. And, and, and what she said was, you know, I'm going to create a space that reinvents our way of thinking about things. Because the truth be told, if you can create a space that's just full of negativity, why couldn't you do the same thing for positivity? Why can't we just say mm. there is a place you can go in the world if you want to feel good and not just feel good like pithy feel good, like <clears throat> there's honest people doing things in the world which are beautiful. And if you allow yourself to soak that energy up, how does that change your day? And so she spent the last years finding people and I, I'm now flattered as I hear it because yeah. obviously her finding me obviously she identified something in what I was doing that she could connect to and then highlighting that on her on her um, on her website and she wrote a book and she actually did a great TED talk what's so the name of the book the name of the book here is uh, happiness is in a capital is an option and and what I see in the TED talk and what I've seen in all of her talks which I really love is that she really describes in a way what one needs or could or would be invited to do if they wanted to shift this negative reinforcing loop of going to information that pulls them away from connection in themselves. So what is it that we now all of a sudden we get triggered, we click on the clickbait, takes us away from this very present moment, and then we're stuck in somebody else's dread. Right. And and the funny thing is, is, as you know, Google's tracking all of our dread. So what do they do? They give us more dread. So in a weird way, she had a really good an, symptoms of COVID. And all of a sudden on your Facebook feed, like, <laughs> have you checked it? Have you had the test? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she's got a very she uses really nice acronyms. I believe there's an ABC acronym that she might share with us of all the three ways that you can get pulled out of just being in a connected state through interacting with the internet. So what she's really, and we'll talk to her about it, is is saying, how do you create a life discipline around your internet so that you don't get wrapped up and stuck in these negative thought patterns? Mm. And she's written a book, she's done this TED Talk, and yeah, I really uh, I really found that uh, to be a, a nice thing to bring on to discuss. When I think about goodness, mm. and, or, I mean, you mentioned happiness, right? Yeah. It's... I find it to be a lot of work and it, and it has to be consistent. Mm. I mean, we, we've talked in the, in the past and for you, it, it is a way of being. And we've talked about also what, what are the rituals we can implement to practice that, but to the point where you, we become dependent on the rituals. Yeah. Then it, it just takes you away. So how, how to actually live this? I, I certainly believe if, you want to have a very deep sort of happiness in from coming from within, mm. then there has to be an elevated consciousness in some degree because it's very easy to get pulled away from it if you're just uh, if your environment defines it. Yeah. So in, in that sense, uh, it, I think Linda is going to have a lot to share on that on that uh, on that front as well. So I think it would be Should great bring to bring her on. Great to bring her on. Hello. Hello, I'm so delighted to be here. My first question to you is, how is my teeth? 
I was just noticing that you both had very nice smiles. <laughs> I have yellow teeth, though. Bambos doesn't, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so. I've got Everyone good. should have yellow teeth. That's the color, the actual color of our teeth. Is that right? <laughs> it's true. Oh, funny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're uh, the color of a sheet of paper, it's it's chemically induced. I <laughs> uh, got it. I, I'm I'm uh, so scared of dentists that I brush twice a day. <laughs> For an extensive time. <laughs> yeah. I got when I turned fifty, I started to realize that like self-care was no longer an like a choice. It was like <laughs> if, if you don't want to have your gum scraped, you know, use these wooden sticks every night. It's the worst. But hey, that it, it, you pay for admission into the fifty club. Yeah. I think there's something about turning fifty that makes you think more about your twenty years from now self. I never <laughs> oh, yeah. thought about my twenty years from now self. Never. That is such a beautiful statement. I mean, every time I, cause I, I lost about three to four, uh, three kilos in the last, uh, last weeks. And you're totally right. I'm totally thinking about what is that 70 year old Andy, if he makes it, there, going to look like, and I don't want him to look like that guy that I don't want to look like. <laughs> well, you're so right. I, I have these, a lot of these insights. My patients g have given me more insight than I'll ever be able to give back to the world. But that's one of the things that I learned from people. When I took over this practice at 27, a lot of people were 50, and now I know them 27 years later. Wow. And these are the things we have to, yeah. <laughs> by age 50, you better start thinking about your 77-year-old yeah. self. <laughs> mm. Now, question for you, 1994, I keep saying four, 2014, seven, six, six, seven years ago, I'm now, what is it that goes in your mind to say, I'm going to create something in the world that's diametrically opposed to everything else in the world. Well, I have to say, Andy, your introduction, um, you are one of those people that does the work The you, you did your homework. You, you, I've never had anybody introduce me as accurately at, as you just did. Mm. Um, that's exactly what happens. I have my own Nielsen rating system in this office because my husband and I see 20 to 50 people a day and we can pose a question all day long or learn anything <laughs> we want from these deep relationships. And that's how you described it is exactly how it happened. Um, mm. My husband, my dad was one of those physicians that took care of birth to death. Yeah. And I learned to keep the humanity in healthcare from watching one of the last of the Mohicans do it. Mm -hmm. And so my husband, who's my childhood sweetheart, we, we have this dental practice together we both um, grew up seeing this way of being present for others. And mm. so we just we're, we went all in in our dental practice. And it happened just the way you described it. Over the many years, we were always finding something to celebrate with every single person who came. No matter mm. what was going on in their lives, we were just that, that way. We could find something to celebrate with them. And by 2014, well, actually, it started about 2011-12. We, mm. we think things are bad now, but they were starting for sure yeah um around 2011 12 13 and i would would say how are you doing and somebody i'd known who was cheerful her whole life and we would get into these downward spiral conversations which never happened before yeah and um and and i kept saying oh gosh <laughs> somebody needs to do something about this this is terrible there's got to be a place where we can get our news that includes the whole picture because I want to say from the outset here, I get accused of having rose-colored glasses, but that's not at all what we're shooting for. We're just saying, hey, it's important to have all the information before you 
make decisions in life that you can possibly access. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's, and we're only getting a slice of reality in our news life and in our, in our internet life. So we're just offering more information. <laughs> you know, what, what so, I found fascinating when I did the trip and I was hitting the media and saying, I'm doing this beautiful journey and I'm taking the time and doing these sessions, I could see that it didn't have the edginess that was needed for most of these television networks. It was almost like a feel good story, Really? Do we need is is that going to do better than the 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 strangler that's that's being on prison? No, people really want to see that one. <laughs> okay, so and there's a reason for that, and I, and mm. I'm not um, boy, you got to press me hard to find blame. It just is. I just find it an unuseful um, thing that I just don't mm. do. I try and be thoughtful and helpful, and um, there's a reason for what you just um, the obser- observation you just made, Andy. It's that. Um, the internet, the news, the way it, the construct that we have there is an attention economy. Mm. It, mm. it always has been. I mean, yeah. even Walter Cronkite, it, it, for anybody who remembers that guy who only got our attention for 30 minutes a day, that's what the news used to be, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Not 24 seven. He had to sell laundry detergent or whatever. And so it's all about getting and keeping our attention. Yeah. And um, there's some neuroscience to that that is pretty interesting that we can't escape. It, we, our brains are built the way they are through millions of years of evolution. Um, and all my message is about is asking us to pause, hmm. to just not follow this primitive part of our brain, our lizard brain, the amygdala, over a cliff every second of every day. Yeah. it's the way we're built to look for signs of danger and disorder. That's what got us here. I always say to people, (laughs) if you're here, it's because your ancestors, your cavemen ancestors were really good at bad news. Yeah. They listened around the fire about that place where the last saber tooth tiger was seen, you know? So I, I just find it um, more uh, elevating to think about what's possible with this big brain that we've got mm. and, and just stop with these primitive impulses that we've been mm. following that were really useful at one point. Yeah. But when you, when you create something as big as the internet and as influential in our future, you've got to also do a little bit of looking at the re-engineering of, of what we give our attention to. Yeah. You know, I, I noticed in, when, when I was traveling to the U.S., especially after 9-11, I was lucky because I, didn't, I wasn't living in the U.S. then. So it, it was almost like I got these snapshots. So I would drop in, see the behavior that felt very foreign to me, and then I'd leave again. And uh, one of the things that was – I remember I was uh, at my hotel doing my little fitness on the machine before, um, before the meetings. Yes, I did do that sometimes, Bambos. He doesn't believe me because he see me let my body go. But I'm sitting there watching the TV, and on the TV, they're showing alerts, terrorist alerts on a daily basis. So – Fear, you know, be fearful. It's an orange day. Be fearful. It's a red day. And um, and all I could think of was this Orwellian world that's being created where I've instilled so much fear. And so and I could feel just being in the environment, this palpable fear that was being just just fed into the uh, into the system. Collective. Yeah. 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 I've had similar experiences. I've lived abroad a couple of times. My husband and I carry Irish passports. And um, so we travel a lot. And when people say, oh, where are you from? 
<laughs> my our answer in whatever language we quickly learn how to say near Montreal. <laughs> and we we do live about an hour south of Montreal in the United States, in Vermont. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but we were never prepared to have that conversation on a bus or wherever we were um, mm. with folks. Because we Americans, we do have a tendency to, um, I don't know, to gun it along with whatever social thing is flying. We yeah. just really are. And a lot of judgment, a lot of harsh judgment I've, on the, you know, we're in the Netherlands. We do have a very direct culture here that's that verges on offensive to many. But in the U.S., there's a lot of the, you know, because you've got the the especially, you know, we won't go into the politics. But when I was there because I was there in December and January of this year during a lot of political upheaval. And what I saw was that actually the tension is so great that to find anything to unify them has to go way beyond it. So with this conspiracy of goodness, obviously, you know, we mentioned a little bit earlier that everyone can identify with this and they all feel called to connect with it because it's what makes life beautiful. And yet we spend all of our time in the areas that actually take us away from that beauty, which is just absurd. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'd like to, um, I'd like to, uh, cut a, I, I cut people some slack, myself included, because um, I, I'm doing a second TED Talk actually right now. It's on sticky notes on the board beside me. And what your, your comment just now reminded me of something I'm going to talk about in that talk. Um, so our brains are wired for two million years to constantly seek signs of danger and disorder. That's what our lizard brain does. And that's what kept us safe back in the days of the saber tooth tiger, right? It was our most precious part of our brain. We could, we could hear the slightest twig snap and we would relate it to the sign yeah. of dis danger or disorder. So that's built in. That's our hardware. We're stuck with that. Yeah. But there's this concept that no one even knew about 10 years ago called neuroplasticity. Like our brains are not set in stone. Um, what we experience every day, day after day, is actually changing our brain. Mm. You know, there's this great story about the London um, cabbies. You know, they have to memorize 25,000 streets. Mm. And they've done studies that look at their brain before and after their training, and it fundamentally changes part of their brain. That's seeable on, on, um, on brain scans. And it just emphasizes the point that if what we give our attention to expands mm. around the new year. That was my message through all that craziness in the United States. I was getting lots of interviews on news and stuff. And um, I think Could the, you slow down on that a second, just because yeah. it's such a simple statement, but it has. So what you focus on, was that the term you use? What we give our attention to expands. Expand. Yeah. And I do mean give our attention to. Because this part of our brain, the amygdala, our lizard brain, that's constantly on the search for danger and mm. disorder, is going to run in the background yeah. all the time. It's have you have you ever been asleep and you smell one molecule of smoke and you sit straight up in the bed? You know, that's your amygdala. When you pull your hand away from a hot wood stove without thinking, that's your amygdala. So <laughs> it is scanning our world at all times. Social media, the news conversations with friends the street we're walking down for signs of danger and disorder god you mm. know god bless the the fact that we had this built-in wiring yeah and um 
<laughs> and by the way, I, I haven't thought of a really good expression that works like that works like God bless. I know you mentioned that um, that your community <laughs> is is uh, uh, expansive. Oh, in, oh, you know, oh, oh, I mean, when we, Bolalong, who's our, one of our favorite, uh, he's actually the third person on the sofa. He's not offended if you say God bless, okay. but he is offended if you start spouting out beliefs which are <laughs> limiting and then forcing society to get stuck. So he's he's a uh, we have to be fair to him in that sense. Is that he's not he has no issue with religion. He has an issue with the um, with the imposition of beliefs that don't serve people. That's that's the more correct oh. way of saying it. That's beautiful. Yes. Well, I haven't found a replacement for that expression. So the so the minute somebody tells me because the the sentiment in that it it really um really works for me when I think of these these poor the, the way we're all struggling. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're all struggling. We <laughs> all are are built for one thing, and society requires us to be another right now. And yeah. oh gosh, it's so complicated. Just the, just That's, as a quick side, someone tried to pitch me an idea once that they wanted to sell to the school system in the U.S. And I remember I was so overwhelmed with how bad I thought it was. I said, "God bless you." <laughs> 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 that was the only thing I could come up with that felt. It felt authentic at the moment. <laughs> okay, yes, that's exactly. Yes. I really want somebody to give me a, a, an expression um, that that works just exactly as you said it. But yes, it just works there. So I'm sure Bodolan will <laughs> think of something. Yeah, Bodolan will come back. He always gives great ideas while we're doing these shows. Yes, I yeah. will. I will look forward to that. So, in any case, here we are with this part of our brain that was that was built for the society, what we live, how we lived 40,000 mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. And um, the good news is that there's this other part of our brain, this part right here called the, the cerebral cortex that's in mm -hmm. charge of our higher functions. So cut us all some slack for following our amygdala, our lizard brain over a cliff about 50 times a day. I mean, I'm as susceptible of it as to it as anyone. And yet we have this other part of our brain that is built to be more savvy. It's built to decide what we give our attention to. And that's the trick. When something takes us off our feet, when th something strikes us as so wrong in the instant, in the moment, if we can just pause for a millisecond and not follow that first impulsive um, Uh, emotion over a cliff, we can shift up to our more savvy brain and, and we may react the same, but we may not. Mm. And what I've noticed is, is that that first reaction can change the future. Yeah. If we, if something ins inspires contempt in us and we want to just fire right back and we can pause, we can change contempt to curiosity. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I had this experience. I was recently staying with my brother for 10 days and he's very intense. He's a former F-15 fighter pilot. Very, very intense. Because this is a perfect example of this change from contempt to curiosity thing. Yeah. I really, gosh, something just hits us, takes us off our feet. There's this giant of a man shouting at me for doing something rather stupid, yeah. which he's right about. And um, But, you know, no one likes to just have the... <laughs> the blast come at them no. and oh man i wanted to light into him because i wanted to go point by point you know contempt all over the place baggage from 40 yeah. years <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> nothing good will come of that 
Yeah. Dr. Especially Wood. because he's bigger. Yeah. So I took my own advice. I just paused as he was just unloading on me. I just paused and I changed contempt to curiosity. Mm. You know, when he finally ran out of steam, I, I said, I'm so sorry. I just didn't think it through. First of all, you know, that's another thing that's not happening in our society. People aren't willing to just say how sorry they are. Yeah. Mm. There's something it, in our ego, something yep. in, Cause it's, I don't know. It, like if, if you say, I'm sorry, in some weird way, people have the burden that now I have to take full responsibility for something in the back of their heads they're not even aware of. Like, it's easy to say sorry, but the thing is, there's like, but if I say sorry, then that means I'm admitting and now I have to, as opposed to just saying, hey, I'm sorry, mm. which t- costs nothing. So... Yes, it costs nothing and it adds volume to the grace in the space between two people. It adds so much grace. Yes. So I first I said, I'm so sorry for not thinking that through. I'm not sorry for a million other things you just yelled at me for, but (laughs) I am sorry for not thinking that through. And then I, you know, then I asked the, the most thoughtful question I could ask. Um. And all of a sudden, it was like a lift. It was like, that's not how he expected me to react, of course, because I can be fiery, <laughs> just like he, we came from the yeah. same fiery father. Um, but it was so much more productive. And, you know, we ended up having a great talk that we probably should have had 10 years ago over this, this, mm. this otherwise explosive situation. Mm. And... Um, we were able to laugh about it the very next day mm. and not add insult to injury, which is what we use. Mm. So change contempt to curiosity. I, I, I say to people all the time, life is very complex. If you think that somebody else is their point of view is just off the, you know, they've lost their models. Yeah. There's something there that I'd love to touch on though. And this is the challenge. It, you know, if, if I am to say to someone, Hey, turn that content into curiosity, then the only way I know that that can be achieved is with a higher level of consciousness around an individual's lack of, say, responsibility. So in in saying that, what I'm saying is, is that they, if they actually see that they have contempt, then that means they haven't taken responsibility for their own feelings yet. So you, you have a massive shift in your consciousness because doing it not authentically doesn't change anything. So if, if you try to say, oh, I'm going to turn content into curiosity, but you don't do it authentically, then people get even more aggressive sometimes because they say, mm-hmm. you're not really asking me a question. You're trying to make a point. Right. So it, okay, it really, that, yeah. Oh, you are so one step ahead of me, Andy. Yes. Sorry, I'll because, step back. No, that's exactly <laughs> the point I was going to make. See, yeah. contempt is one gnat's eyelash from outrage mm-hmm. mm. like it's like the whole it's like a lot a lot in society a lot of people are walking around with so so much contempt mm-hmm. that in an instant they can be triggered to go into outrage and we can never recover from outrage marriages yeah. don't recover from outrage parental relationships don't if you look at the videos that are recorded of people who flip out mm-hmm. you know they're great people and then they had this content contempt raised in them and then they had one instant they flip someone records it and then the rest of their lives they're they're that person 
Yeah. Yes. yes. So you you nailed uh, nailed it um, when you said, okay. So if I change contempt to curiosity with my brother, I can't ask a question that I already know the answer to. Mm-hmm. It can't be some gotcha question. It can't be I'm asking this question so I get this answer and then I can answer. It can't, it can't be any of that. <laughs> you have to ask something you're truly curious about. So here's what happened in my story. It would go this way in every single circumstance. So I sat there and I took it and then I said, I'm sorry. And then I said, Alex, what really worries you? Because uh, you turned the water off. So we know it's not still running down there. What really worries you about what's going to happen next? Because I didn't understand. I, that was a real question. And he goes, have you ever been in the crawl space under grandma's cabin? Have you ever been where? In the crawl space, the little area that's under the cabin. And I said, no. He goes, it's maximally 16 inches tall. It's full of dead mouse carcasses and wood roaches. And now I'm going to have to crawl under there (laughs) and clean up this mess. And, you know, the very next day I crawled under there. And when I came out, there was a mummified mouse stuck kind of embedded in my elbow. <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, you had compassion. Yeah. You had a compassion at that moment for yeah. his situation. Yeah. That's right. So he did have a very good reason, which I didn't appreciate at all. I thought the crawl space was mm. four feet tall. I thought it was concrete floor. No, mm. dirt, dead mice. Whoa. You know, this story, I've shared this story often, but I'll share it again because the context is so perfect. Is that, my dad was always verbally abusive and he always spoke poorly of my mom. And what happened was, is there was dynamic that formed that he'd say negative things about my mom and then I'd get triggered and then I would defend my mom because I really glorified her, especially after her death. And then we wouldn't talk for five years. Like that, that was kind of the pattern. It was like, you know, and so after many years, I'd done so much work that I no longer was dependent on anything he said. There was no codependency. Like he could be him, I could be me, and that's okay. And you can say whatever you want because I don't need you to say things in a way that I'm comfortable anymore. So that was like a a kind of a maturation to adulthood. We were two adults instead of uh, a a son needing the love of dad, right? And he came, and I mean, I use the words because it's his words, it's not nice words, but he said, you know, your mom was a real cunt. And like that would have set me off and bang, we're out, off to the races. And and it was this moment, and it was on the streets of Amsterdam, and I, it was sort of like, it took me back because I, I no longer reacted the way I would have reacted before. And I just looked at him and said, she died so many years ago. What's what's going on with you? Like, not what's going on with you. That still would have asked some responsibility. It's like, what's, what, what makes that so come up for you right now? It's a far more open question. And then he just started to cry. So it, it was like, I mean, now it gets emotional. Mm-hmm. He just started to cry. Mm-hmm. And it was, it went from him feeling unseen and unheard for that mm-hmm. years to immediately us just becoming much closer through the interaction. And uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's fundamental. It's this, it's this, it, these two stories, they're two in a billions and billions mm-hmm. of stories that you and I just told about moments where we got truly curious and we, mm. you know, we reserved somebody else's dignity. Yeah. And um, the key there to me 
is realizing that if somebody behaves in a way that you just can't comprehend, it just yeah. seems crazy. It's probably because there's something major you don't know. Mm. I, I remind myself of this all the time now. Yeah. You know, um, I w- there are, there was, there's a conservative talk show host. I always, that recently passed away that I, I was hoping to chat with someday because mm. I don't believe you get the heart of a lion like that. Now you can quibble over whether he was right, wrong or evil yeah. or great or what all that stuff. But I don't believe you get the heart of a lion without some life experience that explains that. Yeah. And I think if we can change our contempt to curiosity, we can hear these things and the other person can feel seen and heard. And we don't have to agree at the end of it that my brother and I do that all the time. Um, we, we just have real conversations where we, where we feel heard and seen, and then we can walk away and, and yeah. feel okay with the fact that we don't agree. Like why is agreeing the goal? Yeah. Mm. How about just preserving the other person's dignity and, and making them feel heard and seen and going, hmm, yeah. I think I just learned something. Yeah, we've had some we've had some interesting talks in this domain in in, uh, in the last week, actually. One one was uh, Neil, uh, uh, I can't Nile, sorry, Nile Gagan, who when you talked about neuroplasticity, he has something that he was working with called coherence therapy, which yeah. basically takes an idea that we've created a neural pathway to, and it helps the individual establish a different neural pathway where they actually have the same experience experienced differently. Um, and, and, uh, and he does it through some techniques similar to some of the work I'll be doing. But one, that, that was one thing as you spoke that came up for me and in, in, in some ways it's, are we able to take an idea that's so strong in our system and let go of it in a way that lets us reconnect with the same thing, but in another way. Right. And I think curiosity does that. Yeah. If we get curious about why somebody who's been able to hold the job their whole life and raise a family and stuff, we get curious about how they can think so different about something than we do. Hmm. Yeah. But that curiosity, I keep going back to it. I love because I'm, uh, so when um when I first took my journey um uh ten years ago or so or whenever fifteen when I started doing my initial courses the first courses I did were on curiosity mm-hmm. um just go in, in corporate corporate kind of meetings you know like what's the and what I noticed was that um, curiosity comes the instant that an individual can see that they don't know but the fact is it's really hard for an individual not to admit it because it's not a thing of admitting it's like a fish in water you don't even know you're in water so people have such strong beliefs that to help them see that actually they have the belief because even that is not clear to them that is its own massive awakening like oh my god i am a byproduct of my beliefs people wouldn't even be able to to grasp that i think you're absolutely right you know, I love this funny little saying. I always say a worm in horseradish thinks the whole world is horseradish. Yeah. I mean, that's how you explain people who live in really dangerous or negative kind of constant, um, a constant worldview or a constant context yeah. in their life is negativity. Is that just as you said, you know, a fish thinks the whole world is water. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when you when you said curiosity, I love it. And then my stomach turns because I'm like, uh, you know, like it's the word makes all the sense of the world. It's so clear. And yet, how do I take a, a, a liberal and a conservative in America and say, you know what? Whatever you've self-identified as that gives your life meaning, because it gives their life meaning. It's more than just an interest. It's a it's an identification. It's like I am this. I'll fight to my grave. You know, people that stormed the Capitol, you know, if you looked at it from the standpoint that they were uh, being told that this was because the, the election was they were. I, I would I would cheer them on. They were actually doing the right. They were doing the most beautiful thing that you could imagine. It, it's sort of like, wow, like I wish I could have those guts. That's how you that's how you would see. But it doesn't look at the underlying premises that the identity is the thing that isn't being reflected on at times. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've written looking at um, something related to this and the power of the pause in, in relation mm. to something you just referred to, which I heard at some thought leader called the self map. Okay. So apparently we each have a psychologically a map of ourselves and it contains all the things that we hold precious. It might it, just, you name it, the things that we hold precious that we think defines ourselves and, and gives, makes our, our life feel like it matters and mm-hmm. sense of belonging and all those things. And apparently we will just fight tooth and nail to protect that self map, yep. <laughs> no matter how much ignorance we have to um, we have to practice, no matter how how, how we have to um, do gymnastic convolutions to make things <laughs> make things make sense that we're doing or saying or yeah. or putting our time towards, we will do a great deal to protect our self map. And and give me the answer. <laughs> Okay. What did he say? How do you how do you break the self map? That's what I'm. That's what I'd love to okay. know. So I've learned some things about this self map um, from the innovators that we've written about for Ever Widening Circles. So what mm-hmm. happens with the the? Let's go back to the beginning where we were talking about. I started Ever Widening Circles. Um, I kept rolling along, having these downward spiral conversations with people until one day I got a um, an email from a young man who was 19 years old, who I'd known since he was a toddler. And he was writing me from a very bleak place in the world. He'd signed up for the army thinking that's how he could make the world a better place. And here he found himself in this godforsaken place. And I'm the one he thought of. I, I must have said enough good things or, or indicated that I, I knew how to find something to celebrate such that he wrote me a really sad email. And that was what made the tipping point for me. I mm. said, I went on this great, great search of the internet to find some place with no politics and something that uh, generations could appreciate for good news because his real problem was that he thought the world was not even worth living for. Wow. And um, I, when I couldn't find it after two weeks, I just snapped and I invented it. And that's how Ever Widening Circles actually came to be. It was from mm. this email mm. from this 19-year-old boy. <laughs> what I actually did mm. that day was send him a list of my favorite TED Talks. Wow. That's all I could. That's all I had. Yeah. <laughs> so I started writing one article every day on anything under the sun to prove it's still an amazing world. And as you pointed out, not puppies in mailboxes kind of stories, mm. like real science, technology, innovation that was not getting any oxygen in our in our current news cycle. Mm. So along the way, 
I've gotten to know a lot of incredible innovators who are doing the most extraordinary things. And um, I found that the answer to that question, how we get out of this cycle with our amygdala, we can look to these innovators for some clues. So let's pick on one I know um, named Topher White. Have you ever heard of this guy who's figured out how to save all the remaining cell, uh, uh, rainforests with cell phones? Oh, I just saw on your TED talk, you mentioned yes, this, the yes. old cell phones. Oh my gosh. He's a perfect example of the, what I call the innovators recipe. Yeah. So the people who are, who are tackling problems, large and small, that they just are, you know, passionately thrown themselves into, whether it's keeping the local humane society open or saving all the rainforests with old cell phones. Mm. One thing they do is they can't afford enemies. They just cannot afford enemies because there's already so much of weight against their idea flourishing that mm. they can't be creating enemies along the way. So the best ideas in the world are often um, have somebody at the founding, the core that um, has figured out a way to not need an enemy. You know how a lot of things in this world yeah. need an enemy? Yeah, of course. Or else yeah. they, they, they don't exist. Yeah. But Topher White's idea, Skata Stan, all the things I mentioned in the TED Talk, they don't need an enemy. They, they are just brilliant ideas and win-wins all the way around. Mm. So what they do is, I've noticed, is that they don't let things take them off their feet. They don't have that luxury. Um, they, they, they get one hard blow after another against their being able to make progress just like us in our daily lives, some days it feels like I just get one blow after another. And, um, and yet they stay on their feet and they think of, they, they use their mind, they make sure that they, what's top of mind is their goal. Um, like if you have a goal right now, just to survive the pandemic, <laughs> okay, survival is a good thing. We all have to survive. <laughs> yeah. But if your goal is to thrive, to find opportunity in disaster, you're going to look for other things. You're going to be seeking other information, this brain of ours that's on a constant seeking expedition, trying to survive and thrive. Um, if you can shift up from the amygdala, that fight or flight part of your brain, to this more savvy part, you are going to make choices that adapt your brain back to that part of our discussion your experiences of the world are going to change the way your brain works and the yeah. connections there. So I tell people to pause, shift up to the more savvy part of your brain and decide what to give your attention to. Because yeah. neuroscience tells us that anything can stay top of mind, anything. And yeah. if you're clicking on every single crazy person's comment on Facebook and adding your own to the dialogue, then that's what's going to be top of mind. You're going to develop neural pathways that just get stronger and stronger and stronger towards opposition and division and and negativity and fear of the other, scarcity, all those things. Yeah, yeah. But if you shift up and say, hmm, <laughs> I'm not going to give my attention to that. I'm going to seek goodness. I'm going to seek signs of progress. I'm going to seek others who are who are. Um, more in line with the world I want to see. Mm. And ne those neuropathways develop. I mean, this is just science. It's not even about positive thinking. 
people. Yeah, it's nice. And, and it gets to another kind of point Bombas and I have often discussed as well is that the people you surround yourself with also will define how you go, how you think through things, the energy you bring in. And, and I spend a lot of time alone. Like I really like to be alone. And, uh, and, and I find that when people come in, then I actually want to make sure that there's an energy there that enhances whatever I'm experiencing. Cause mm. as soon as I bring in the depressive energy, then it's almost, I'm now being drawn out of whatever it is. And, and it's not, not a problem because I can hold space for it, but I do feel like it's work because I'm now holding space for something that, you know, and I can show compassion and all that, but I often say that's what I get paid for. <laughs> that's, it's like not where I want to be, but hey, I'll be there. And, and you know, sometimes people pay for it, that kind of feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me give it, uh, you mentioned the ABC. Um, it yeah. fits perfectly right here. I, I'd love to give people kind of a practical tip. Yeah. Okay. So um, a lot of people might think that someone like me, who's, you know, published thousands of articles about inside innovation and, um, and really is pointing to this other version of reality that we're not seeing enough of. So you might think that I would be advising people to just disconnect from social media, don't watch the news, all those sort of really radical things. And I, I don't. I tell people that um, the news, the internet are human constructs. That's all they are. They are nothing more. And just like any human construct, it, it, it should be a tool. And like a hammer, it can be used to build things or it can be used to demolish things. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's our choice. When, so, when you get a hammer in your hand and you want to hang a picture, you, mm. you're going to consciously use that to just tap that little tiny hole in the wall. You're not mm. going to just wail away and demolish the drywall. <laughs> and the internet and all human constructs have this ability to for us to decide how they go in our lives. So here's my tip for social media. Don't just pull the plug. You need to be able to go there and see your sister-in-law's new baby or whatever, but make sure you go there with a purpose. Mm. Maybe there's some cause that you really love. You need like to chime in on the Britney Spaniel uh, Facebook group or whatever it is. Go there with a purpose and then go away and have a real life. Because the, before the internet, we had a real life. We lived our lives. <laughs> and now, because of what we talked about, our amygdala, this, this, um, this, our brain, the part of our brain that's constantly scanning the world for danger and disorder, yeah. it's so easy to fall into that. Once we go to see the baby picture, then we notice this other thing, this other thing, this other yeah. thing. The word that comes from me is addiction. Yeah, uh, this is our amygdala is addicted to tr for a good reason, and um, we can thank it. If you if you're here, it's because your your ancestors were good at bad news. Um, we are addicted to um, some people call it doom scrolling mm. uh, because uh, we're following our our primitive impulses. We're we're looking for signs and danger of danger and disorder that might affect our lives. But I'm saying pause. Don't click on anything that won't bring you to a um, to a, a a higher um, more elevating mindset because we're all in charge of what's top of mind here. So I give people this, don't click on anything in ABC mode. Just don't, you know how we're all at lunch, you know, we're sitting on our phones and we're going like this and clicking for a millisecond and then we're out. Click, 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 millisecond and we're out. Mm -hmm. 
So first of all, <laughs> that's giving something I call link juice. That's giving, that's amplifying and giving all the oxygen on the internet to all those negative things that appealed to our lizard brain. Mm. Nobody really wants to know that that's what they're contributing to the chaos and the noise. So, so if you just think of these three things, don't ever click out of anger, a boredom, B, or kind of morbid curiosity. You know, when we click on the blobfish, we get more blobfish. Yeah. When we click on the scary headline, death ships docked in Miami, <laughs> these headlines, they're all created to capture and hold our attention with neuroscience. They're using neuroscience against us. Mm. So if we never click out of anger, never. And when I say click, I mean, if you engage with anything, um, people are counting every click we make on the internet. So yeah. everything you engage with, you are literally voting for. That's one of my big things. In I, the had a, I had a friend, I had a friend recently, I was walking with him and he, he made some news and he, uh, he had a friend call him and say, hey, uh, I'm looking on the internet and this is what I'm finding. And then he did the same search and then he had a whole different internet. And then he went into discussion. Listen, you're finding it because you're clicking everything negative. So it's giving you more of that. I don't find it because I don't click on it. And, and the other person just didn't want to have any of it. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that if you ask most reasonably tech savvy people, they know that algorithms are controlling mm -hmm. what we see next. But we aren't acting like we know that. Because yeah. if we if we actually acted like we knew that, we wouldn't click on any of that craziness. Yeah. Um, because we know that the internet serves us what we last clicked on. It's it's trying to do something good. It's trying to make a shortcut. Yeah. But um, if we never click out of anger, if we never click out of boredom or morbid curiosity, I think that would eliminate about eighty percent of the chaos that we see in our in the screens in our lives. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I've had people I, tell me that that one statement that that your click is a vote <laughs> yeah. has ruined their lunchtime scanning the internet completely. Yeah. But it we, it is it, it is a choice of what yeah. we want um, going forward. Uh, and the lovely thing about this is that we're not we're not victims of the internet. It is yeah. ready for a reimagining. There is no technology, no invention, human invention ever since the wheel that didn't get an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened like, with the internet is it, that we just, we just rushed into it so quickly that it never got that, that second, third, fourth iteration. Yeah. It's almost like we got it, but we, ne we didn't really know how to use it to serve us yet. That's what we're still figuring out. We have some comments that came in, uh, Neil Vandelan. It says, if we look at happiness as something that grows once we keep our attention on it, wouldn't it then be be trainable, same as conditioning yourself to work out a fixed amount of times per day or week? Exactly. This is, the, this is where science plays into everything I talk to people about. It, it, it's not wishful thinking. It's not positive thinking. This is the, the, most of this is based in neuroscience. What we give our attention to expands. If you tell yourself a scary story, you believe that story and you, you make your next decision and your next and your next one 
based well, on that. I mean, you know, it's funny if you look at also sort of the evolution of training and techniques that have happened over the years, like some of those early techniques, which still come in as the affirmations, right? So these affirmations you, you give yourself in the mirror in the morning. And if you think about it, that really is an extension of what you're describing here is you, it's not that you're finding it out, you're giving it to yourself in these moments. Yes. A, a perfect example of this is now we've all forgotten this because we've just been on a one disaster after another roller coaster. But before there was a pandemic, there was this time period in September, October, November of 2019 when the rainforests were burning in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody remember that? You couldn't turn on the Obviously. news. Right. Pick your pick your fire. Then there was the Australian fire after that. Okay. And the refugees in Greece. So, um, when I Here's how it works. If you make sure you're getting a dose of of good of of the good news of the thoughtful people of the progress being made in the world. So when I watch the news and see the rainforest burning, I can hold that horrifying feeling in one hand. But I know Topher White's story. I know that he's figured out a way to save all the remaining rainforests with old cell phones, and none of that burning problem would be happening if Topher had his way with the mm -hmm. world, if people knew about his technology and it's a growing, it is growing in the right direction now. Um, but I can hold both. I'm not being blinders head in the sand. I, I can reassure, I can see the story and I can go, okay, thank God for the Topher whites of the world. And I can go forward with my, with my day thinking all is not lost. Yeah there are these amazing people out there and thank God for them. And then I can give my attention to them. I can send Topher $3. I can send him my old cell phone. I can, I can support somebody local who's trying to do a, a similar thing. We don't have to be taken off our feet. If you know more, you know, stories that of hope and contrast that can keep you moving forward each day and being a part choosing what you want to be a part of. Yeah. How has it changed your life? Because obviously you did it, you started this, mm -hmm. you were a dentist. So it's not like what a dentist says, well, I've been trained to become a media, uh, uh, you know, a global media sensation. So how does it, how has that journey been for you? Well, you know, as I mentioned at the outset, um, almost all my insights come from the great, you know, the graceful comments of others or the, the kind of ordinary person wisdom here, here's a good example, and this goes with our contempt um, and curiosity conversation as well. So this is the way dentistry has affected my ability to do what I do with ever-widening circles, which which now is pretty much 80-20. I do mm. ever-widening circles and the conspiracy of goodness about with 80% of my time, and, and I'm only in the office about 20. But this is the way it works. <clears throat> so I have a patient come in and, and in the fall, every single patient is wearing camo in Vermont and everybody's, uh, all the men are hunters. And, and the first question I ask is, John, did you get your deer yet? Cause this is everything where I live. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of a nature nerd. So maybe I don't really care so much about whether John got his deer or not, mm -hmm. but here's what I do care about. So I say, so he tells me whatever he says. And I said, John, did you sit in a deer stand for hours and hours and hours in the forest and wait for that deer to walk by? Like, what's your mode? And he says, yeah, yeah. I sat there for six hours the other day. 
and this buck and he gives me the story. Mm. And then I said, John, I'm a nature nerd. What do you see? What do you hear when you're sitting there in the forest, completely motionless and silent yourself? For six solid hours, tell me everything. I will never have the ability nor the patience to do that. Tell me everything you see. And then he will describe the most amazing world. Mm. So we don't have to get in a fight about whether I like hunting or not. We, we don't, that's not where we connect. Yeah. We can connect over what he saw and what he thought about it and how it changed you know, his, his day to learn, to know. And it's something we both care about. And that's how we go forward with curiosity. Mm. Beautiful. I had this vision of me going to you and having to get a teeth removed and you saying, Andy, aren't you grateful you had that tooth for 50 years? <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say something like that. <laughs> I would probably find some way to turn it in. I know I would. I do it every day. That's what I do. I turn yeah. it into a positive. If people yeah. say, I'm so sorry, I haven't been back in 10 years, they're trying to beat themselves up. For yeah. one thing, I have, no, I have no time for guilt or shame Not or blame either, or anything right? like that. Yeah. And I just say, well, it's a darn good thing you're here because the tooth in front of it looks just about like it did about five years ago. We can save that. Let's just focus on going forward. Yeah. The other teeth we'll have to take out, but that, that one tooth is perfect. Yes. <laughs> and, and we can say the other one. And so yeah. what if we all just kind of operated like that when these yeah. moments of friction, because you know, that's another thing we got to get used to. There's nothing good. These innovators, they've taught me, there's nothing good and special and precious that gets created without friction. Yeah. Friction is part of collaboration and a part of getting to something new that no one could have come up with all by themselves. Yeah. And we got to stop expecting everything to be smooth sailing yeah. and figure out a graceful way to get through friction. Yeah. What are you going to say? Oh, I, I'm yeah. just sitting here for the hour, just taking you in. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's like also I used the word fuck with a friend of mine. And she said, she actually told me that she doesn't want that kind of language around her because words carry energy. And in my life, I just use it very freely. And when she said that to me, there was a deeper, I, I noticed there was a deeper understanding that I was missing. And when I'm with you, somehow that teaching I got from her, I, I'm seeing you embodying that. Oh, that, that is so kind. That is so kind. You know, um, I believe that we all have this, this, this stream of, of commonality, like, like me and the hunter, like you, you just expressed to me, um, like Andy and I experienced when that very first conversation, heck, that was almost two hours. We talked that day, Andy, mm, wow. stranger. um, if we can get rid of this baggage, that we're all dragging along, we can get to these moments of connection, mm. but we have no chance if we're just walking around with a level of contempt, like here waiting to boil over into outrage. Yeah. We'll never get there. You know, one of my favorite stories, um, do you guys remember a, an astronomer, one of the first good science communicators named Carl Sagan? I remember the name, of course. Carl yeah. Sagan was the guy who said, 
billions and billions of yeah. stars. He was very famous for saying the word billion in a, a funny way. Mm. So um, he was very popular. He was the Neil deGrasse Tyson of the 1990s. Mm. So people used to always ask him, Carl, do you think human beings will ever get to Mars? And he used to say, <laughs> he used to say, well, I think a better question is, who will we have to become to be able to get to Mars? Mm, nice. <laughs> I think he knew that we could send a spaceship there, but we'd all kill each other on the <laughs> trip. The yeah. spaceship might arrive, but we we would have killed each other. Yeah, we're just mm. following our impulses over a cliff too much. Yeah, yeah, it's just no way to drive. It was a way to drive when the world was full of saber-toothed tigers. Yeah, but now we're full of information, and it's just not a practical approach. No. I, just to share, I had a story that uh, a, a few days ago I was walking through the park and there were kind of, you know, a group of these mentally disabled individuals being taken care of by a caretaker. And um, and because of the traffic, I had to move away from someone coming at me, which meant that I moved closer to the group. And then this in, this man in the group, he grabbed my arm. And, um, and it was really funny because for me, I... I I, you know, I, I didn't react negatively, nor, you know, I kind of, I touched his hand back and smiled at him and just created a moment of connection. And of course, the caretaker is freaking out because she's thinking, oh, wow, what's going to happen? Maybe this bad situation is going to emerge. And earlier today, I, I, I just, I, I didn't think about it again because it happened and I walked on. And, but I realized that as you were speaking right now, that my amygdala never got charged. So there was never a reaction to defending myself. There was just presence with the thing that was there in the moment. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it stayed with me, not because I thought it was special, but it was only afterwards I realized, oh, for the woman and when I saw her reaction, realizing in so many instances there would be people that would would react negatively and create a real issue potentially there. And then I had a lot of compassion for her because in that way, wow, imagine that job and how much how much challenge there is for her to manage five, six people that she's alone with, just trying to make sure they stay in this sort of, you know, close enough that she can take care of them, you know? Yeah. I thought she was well, reacting I to COVID. She may have, but I don't think so. I didn't get that impression. No. Well, you know, uh, that you should bring that up. That That's a really, I think, one of the real, um, the real hard things for people that I don't hear people actually articulating, but this being able to touch the other, you, you may, you said, you said, I put my hand on his. That is what we're built to do. Yeah. You know, they know that the Neanderthals took care of, of the people with disabilities. They found in caves, you know, bones uh, that were broken of people that were 50 years old. And that was old. That was ancient back in the um, back in the caveman days. Mm -hmm. They know that these that there were individuals that had to have been taken care of. So this impulse to take care of the other, to have to put your hand on somebody as a way of signaling that you're okay, I'm okay, you're okay, we're mm -hmm. pretty good. Yeah, I think we've missed that. I, <laughs> of course, you might imagine I'm a hugger in the dental office. Yeah, and. Oh, you know, I just miss that so much, being able to have a patient sit up and hug yeah. and 
I wanted I wanted to do a show on that topic just because it's such an issue. And Bambo said that subject is too sensitive for me. And that's maybe one of the, yeah, this was early on. You don't remember it. I said, I wanted to do a, set, a, a, a show on how, how hard it is to be without touch. Mm. And then you said at that time, maybe now it wouldn't be an issue, but then you're like, Andy, I, cr- I can't do it. It's just too emotional for me right now. Well, mm. and, yeah. and, 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 you know, many of us have, uh, have all kinds of experiences in that realm. You know, my dad was a healer. He had, he definitely had, if there is a spooky part of me, um, I, I do believe in the healing touch. Um, yeah. I, I just know that when you put your hands on someone and you mean well, and they know that you're in the service of others, there is a magic mm. there that's hard to replace. Yeah. yeah. And um, have you seen the video? I wanted to do the article on this so bad, but it was right at the beginning of, of, uh, of COVID. There's this, there's this, uh, there was this movement and I think it may have been in Belgium, somewhere in your neck of the woods where, where these people would just go out and they would, they would uh, wear a placard that would say free hugs. And yeah. the placard I think probably did two things. It probably left enough of a social barrier there so that my big lunch lady boobs weren't squished right up against somebody else. And then you got all that creepiness going in, you know, yeah. um, so they would wear the placard and said free hugs and they would put a blindfold on. Yeah. This was a really interesting thing. And they would just stand there like this and people who were game would just walk up and, and hug them. Yeah. And it, the video had, had a kind of a, a magic to it, kind of a, a, a quality that you couldn't stop watching. Mm. We had the, the man who started the free hugs campaign in, I think it was uh, one man was his name. Uh, I always laugh because my one, my woman, my wife kept saying one man show. Um, <laughs> it's the one man show. Um, but yeah, one man is the creator of the free hugs. And, uh, and yeah, we had a really nice time with him on the show some, some months back. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up because I really, I think I'm going to want to talk to him on my podcast for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Thank you for all the work you do in the world. And uh, yeah, we're grateful that you took the time to be with us today. You can share oh, your links. You for sharing to, it. Things, right? Yeah. We'll share the links as for the people that want to have looks at the everwideningcircles.com. And uh, you also have the book that's available on Amazon. Yeah. And the t- TEDx talk. It's on the website as well, which is really great. That goes into the ABCs that we just discussed as well. So yeah. yes, those Lovely. are all, we'll, we'll leave links for all those things. We're going to I have something, one last thing I'd just like to share. Yeah. Um, we recently really had this notion that if we all, if as many people as we believe want a better world and are doing whatever they can and they're doing what they can with what they have. Yeah. It seems like we're all just these points of light, just almost shouting into a, the blackness, the darkness. Yeah. So, um, we created recently the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. And it, <laughs> my daughter hates it when I announce it this way, but it's kind of like we took the best of the big four social media, um, social media platforms, and we yeah. created a place without all the mean, yelling, angry people. Yeah. And we're trying, what we're trying to do is create a place for people who have goodness, top of mind, back to what we were talking about earlier. If, we have to come together. We have to come together. Otherwise, we're each just these little points of light. You, yep. me, Topher White, Skate of Stand people. We're, and I think these times call for a literal conspiracy of goodness. Like, 
people coming together who who share a, a, a common vision for what's possible in the future if we elevate our best selves. Mm. And so, you know, for people who are really, really wanting the company of others, I, I would I would recommend, even as self-serving as it seems, um, for people to check out the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, because there you're going to find people that care about the same things. And when we come together, there's no telling what we can do. We've seen it over and over through human history. A conspiracy of goodness is what has gotten us out of the darkest times. Yeah. I think this was a great show. Yeah, it was really beautiful. I mean, the thing is, is that it's always these serendipity lives that we've had um, in our in our shows where people who maybe didn't intend to do something all of a sudden stumbled upon it. And then all of a sudden that just became the, the thing that carried their lives and gave it purpose. And I, and I really find those stories beautiful, you know, people struggling to say, what's my life's purpose. And then uh, somebody just drops in their lap and says, apparently this is what I've now been called to, 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 uh, to do. And to touch on one thing we didn't touch on, there was a big loss uh, uh, for me a week ago in that uh, we had uh, our, our woman who does I Stop, um, I Stop, what was it called? Uh, I Stop ch- Childhood ch- ch- Children's Rape. It was, ch- uh, what was the molestation? So um, Mar Schneider, that was her family name. Oh, I forget now her, her first name. But uh, what was really, it was someone who came onto our show who stops basically um, child abuse, and she did that through puppetry. And um, for me, you know, when we have someone on the show that I'm so in admiration of, because she, you know, she just said these puppets can be used as a means of supporting children that actually have re- very little hope because it's hard to expose it until it's too late. And um, yeah, when um, when when she passed last week, it, it, unexpectedly, it was just a a loss because a loss and a celebration, right? Because in, in, in some ways you see those lives and I just sit in such admiration of them. So yeah, for those that haven't seen that episode, it's very much, it's very, very, uh, it's worth going back to. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for today. Donna, wonderful chaos. Thank you. Bye. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it down.